0: joked and said, I would love to put myself out of a job. (laughs) But then I stood here and I thought, is that going to happen? What is this going to look like truly? And it's, it would be the best blessing ever if nobody ever heard the name abortion again, because it didn't exist. That would be such a gift. Um, but as, as we, as we look deeper and as we dove in deeper, I realized, you know, what's neat, it mirrors ministry. And we're talking about this backstage um, it mirrors ministry so much in, in church life, too, what we do at the center does, because it's not that we just want babies to have birthdays. We want babies to live in the fullness of who they are because of who God called them to be. And the only way to do that is to raise a generation of parents who believe that about themselves and believe that about the, their children and are in the word enough to make it happen. It's clear through our statistics and through the power of Jesus Christ, we've been able to help families in our area move beyond choosing to let their babies live and truly begin to grasp the importance of family, love, and nurturing the next generation. Our classes have become helpful communities, our counseling offices have become battlegrounds, and our campus has become a haven. In the middle of 2023, I was talking with a dear friend of mine about Hope Center and and how in awe we've just been at the work that the Lord has done and how excited we are for where he's taking us. I was talking with her a lot about this whole 40-year mark and how it felt like such a big thing, and I wanted to be sure to honor that well. Um, And she encouraged me to pause and to be really present in that posture of gratitude. And she reminded me of a passage in 1 Samuel 7. So I'm just going to set the stage for you. If you want to turn your Bibles there, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 7 for a little bit. But here's what's going on. Samuel had been praying for his people to let go of their idols and their immoral ways. They had walked so far away from the Lord. They had just gone so far, and Samuel's pleading with them over and over. Please turn from your wicked ways. Please repent, right? He knew their downfall was their own sin, and yet it played out on the battlefield. So they had challenged the Philistines. They had gone to battle with them twice, and they had been obliterated. It was not pretty. Here they were, supposed to be the people of God, right, the Israelites, the people of God led by Samuel, mighty warrior. And they were being just mutilated on that battlefield. Um, and yet Samuel continued to pray for repentance and for victory for his people. And there's this beautiful moment that we see in 1 Samuel 7 where their hearts start to turn. And Samuel's at the epicenter of that, and he's praying in the main area of Of his people and he's just calling out for the lord to be near for him to um, Come and radically change their hearts and people are repenting They're turning from their wicked ways. They're saying you're right Like we want to seek god we want to be you know with him We want to honor him in all of we all that we do and so you see this shift happen You see this shift happen and you think you're going to get to the part in scripture where everybody gets to celebrate But that is not the case (laughs) Because you know what's lurking outside the philistines They're poised for battle. They're ready to go again. And Samuel's warriors who have now just the only battle they are ready for is the Philistines because they are full of fresh fire from the Lord. They have turned to him. They have remembered who he called them to be, and they're ready to go out there. But, you know, they tell Samuel, don't stop. You stand right here. You pray. You lift your hands. You you continue to worship. We're going to go fight this battle. And I love it. I love it. The warriors went to battle with fresh fire in their bellies and hearts tuned to the Lord. And they did not only win the battle, but they secured their land, the neighboring lands, and they entered into a season of peace like never before. And then we see this tender moment right after victory was declared where Samuel doesn't forget the favor of the Lord and the part that it played for him and his people. All the blessings he experienced deserved an act of remembrance. So there he laid his Ebenezer. It was a simple, upright rock. (laughs) He just stood it in the ground. But it signified so much. Like, Lord, look what you brought us through. (laughs) And I feel so deeply that we are in an Ebenezer year at Hope Center. And I want to pause and I want to honor celebrate and worship all that the lord has done all of it it was an altar it wasn't just a rock it wasn't just a memorial it wasn't a statue it was an altar a memorial a clear marker that the people knew that god's intervention was the only way they made it through the purpose of samuel's ebenezer was to remind the israelites and himself of who God was and what he had done for them personally in a time where they had experienced what life was like outside of the favor of the Lord. And then seen the radical change that came when they walked back into life with the Lord, they needed that visual reminder. So like I said, we are in an Ebenezer year, the valiant warriors that have been fighting for 40 years before us have advanced this movement so far. We'd be so remiss if we didn't take a moment and just, Reflect and place our own Ebenezer here and linger in acknowledgement and gratitude for all the Lord has done We are making this year year 40 of ministry Through hope center as a victory in Jesus name. We are marking it as that 100% God has given our state power to overturn Roe v. Wade abortion is illegal in our state praise the king He has enlarged our territory physically. He has expanded our reach and helped us blaze a trail Um, into offering mental health services, and we are bringing as many people with us as we can. (laughs) Amen. I just, I have some really staggering statistics for you guys, and I don't often share statistics, but the Lord just continues to bring these to mind for me, and so I want to share these with you. These are our stats from the last 10 years, okay? One of the four decades that we are getting to celebrate this year. Are you ready for this? We have served. 3,748 different people. 10 years. We performed 5,093 pregnancy tests. 3,154 ultrasounds. 18,117 class hours have been logged. In the last 18 months alone, over 600 clinical counseling sessions. The gospel has been presented outright, 1,147 times. Yes, yes. And we have had 26,978 client visits, meaning we've been able to be the hands, feet, mouthpiece, or warm welcome, a hug of Jesus to almost 27,000, in almost 27,000 different instances, to individuals from all walks of life. How beautiful is that? What a privilege. (laughs) What started as four women in a room of a house (laughs) has turned into a beacon of hope. And I firmly believe that we do what we do because if Jesus were here, this is how he would do it. I just believe that with my heart and soul. And I also believe that one of the best ways to celebrate and honor the last 40 years is to look forward to the next. And I want to tell you, friends, we are moving from let them live, which has been our battle cry for 40 years, to let's raise them well. We feel deeply burdened to help raise a generation of healthy, God-fearing parents who raise healthy, God-fearing kids. Just reminds me of Psalm 127, three through five, where the psalmist declares, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. These words resonate so deeply with the core of our mission to cherish and protect the sanctity of life, to cultivate healthy families and to equip parents with the tools they need to raise Godly children in a world that often seems to devalue the significance of family Hope center stands by the word of the Lord As we see in scripture the very first institution that the Lord created was the family Before the church before anything else He created the family and he formed it for our good and his glory And let's be honest cultures made quite a mess of family and it's time that we, as Christ followers, start reclaiming lost ground in Jesus' name. Amen. Like, we have got to, we can no longer say, that's okay for you if that's your choice. No, we have to stand on this and say, this is the best choice, and we're going to help you get there. We just can't. We can't quit. We can't let up on that. Because if that is the very first institution that the Lord instated here for us, for our good and his glory, we got to quit playing around with it. Our next decade will be focused on investing in the foundation of family with the goal of rewriting cultural norms and creating a ripple effect that spans generations. We not only want to help babies have birthdays, but help generations of kiddos be raised by generations of parents who are armed with the principles of love, compassion and responsibility, who will guide their families through challenges of life while standing on the word of the Lord. We've got to. It's our conviction that by providing support, education, and resources to expectant mothers and fathers that we're going to sow seeds that will yield a harvest of strong, stable families. We may not see it until the next 40 years when you all have to, like, wheel me up here. I don't know. (laughs) But we're going to see it, and we're going to claim that victory in Jesus' name. So we'll still be offering what we always have. This doesn't change that. Cost-free medical services for women, um, pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, and our material assistance education program is thriving. Trust me. I have bought so many diapers, it's insane. But, friends, we are moving in new territory, boldly knowing that as we walk past this Ebenezer that we've set in remembrance of the last 40 years, the Lord is with us. Our cost-free clinical counseling department has exploded. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. And last year, I think I stood here, we were, what, six months in maybe? And I was like, I think this is going to work, guys. (laughs) It has been insane. It has truly been insane. We have one full-time LPC. We've brought on another part-time. And we are currently helping three other centers across the nation adopt our methodology for integrating mental health care into um, pregnancy care services. It's been amazing. Our Hope Academy is thriving. We're still seeing around 130, 150, and that every single month. That's families. We've seen more dads in these classes than ever before, than ever before. And, you know, we've seen more dads on the clinic side, too, than ever before, coming to pregnancy test appointments, coming to ultrasound appointments. It's been miraculous. It has been miraculous. And we have a male on our staff now, hallelujah, praise King, that can actually speak to them in a way that they will respond to. And it's been so beautiful. We have two dads right now in clinical counseling on their own because they want to be a better dad. Y'all, that's incredible. That's the kind of life shift we're wanting. That's the kind of change that we're wanting to see overall. And it starts with one. This isn't in here. Good thing I took a page and a half out. We are currently, my husband's youth pastor at Northside, and we're really focusing with our students on the power of that one-on-one ministry. I feel like culture has told everybody that you have to have this huge following on TikTok, or you have to have all these people watching you to actually be able to make a difference. And that just isn't true. This whole book was was God-breathed, and we see Jesus go one at a time to serve people. And so we're studying That in those scriptures of Jesus' ministry where he stops for one at a time. And so while two dads may seem like not many, oh, oh, one at a time, brick by brick, one at a time. I'm so excited. So we're weaving the gospel through everything because we know our services are only truly transformative if the truth of Jesus Christ is at the epicenter. Okay, so I've told you where we're headed, what we're planning to do, but now I want to focus the shift to you. Where do you come in in all of this? So parents stay within our program for up to three years, which is beautiful, but um, how many of y'all were done raising your children when they turned three? Mine's eight. Pray for me. He's scary. No, actually, he's the most amazing human being on this earth, but... These families, these women, they need more than just three years. They need you. They need a church family. They need a church home that they can lean into through it all. For so many who come from broken families, no one has shown them what it can look like and feel like to truly be part of a family that loves them. Unconditionally, that doesn't give up on them, that doesn't run at the first sight of complication. A true church home. I want to share a story with you about a friend of mine named Ashley. Um, Our junior year, Ashley got pregnant. She wasn't being careful. She should have known better. But nonetheless, here we were. She was 16, pregnant. And let me tell you, it was rough. My dad is a music minister. He has been since I was two. And he knew Ashley, knew the situation, and asked me why she wasn't coming to youth choir or church or anything anymore. I'd actually just gone to Sonic earlier that day with Ashley to get a Coke. That's what we did back in my day, You'd go get a Coke. And um, through tears, she told me all about how she had gone to church that Sunday and walked in and didn't even make it past the foyer. Because people were unkind. Because there were whispers. And because one lady said something so heinous that I won't even repeat it. She was so embarrassed. And she thought she was going to get to come home to a place of people who had helped raise her, who had loved her. I and mean, her whole family went there aunts, uncles, you name it. So I told my dad this. And You know, he just kind of nodded and shook his head. My dad's pretty stoic. And um, he said that he was just really sad to hear that. And then I went on about the rest of my week. He went on about the rest of his week. I was 16, so I didn't give it much thought, right? But what was happening behind the scenes was this. My dad went to work for Ashley and her faith and her healing. He called Ashley's mom, who's also a single mom, and let her know that she had the unwavering support of our family and our church as they walked through this. He got together with our youth pastor and they call, they contacted all of their female youth sponsors that were working um, with the students in, in that season and let them know about Ashley's situation and let them know the position that the church took on it was that she was loved and so was that baby. And every single one of those youth sponsors called Ashley and her mom to let her know that also called up some of the people who were responsible for the chatter about Ashley and kindly reminded them of who they were in Christ he called them to a higher standard he called them to a biblical standard and then he went to Ashley's house and he looked her in the eye and he said you still have a place here Your good shepherd still loves you. And that other people had the privilege of being able to mask their sin, to hide it. But she was going to carry it in front of her, right here, for all to see. And that he knew it was going to be rough. He knew that her decisions were on display in a way that made others think they should have an audience for their opinion. He told her he would never diminish that struggle, but that she had an army of support, and that he would like for her to bravely come back to church knowing that she has allies. He's like those friends that carried their paralytic friend to Jesus. They ripped off the roof, (laughs) they didn't take no for an answer. So what? It was crowded. So what? It was inconvenient. Their friend needed Jesus. He was the only one who could heal them. Ah, oh, I loved it. I loved it. He didn't walk by, see her in distress and say, mm, I'll pray for her. He didn't see her unfortunate choices and say, mm, she knew better. Mm-mm. He gathered believers. He called them to a Christ-like standard. And they went and picked up her mat and carried her to Jesus. And they bore witness to the miracle that Christ worked in her life. Ashley gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. And as she placed that baby in the arms of the adoptive family that she had chosen, they told her that they were going to name that baby Brooke, which is Ashley's middle name, so that their daughter would always bear the name of her brave birth mom. Brooke has graduated high school now and is thriving in college. And Ashley, Ashley met her now husband at church, the same church we grew up in. (sighs) And she's now a licensed professional counselor. And you know what she does specifically? She works with high schoolers and early college age students who have fallen out of their life track because of some crisis moment. And she invites every single one of them to church. (laughs) I know this because my mother-in-law is now her small group leader. And Ashley always wins the award for brings the most friends. Um, That is just who Ashley is. (laughs) I actually did not know this story until two years ago. Ashley and I have stayed in contact. And she's seen the work that I've been doing at Hope Center and everything. And uh, when I went into town for Christmas year before last with my husband, um, She texted me and asked if we could grab coffee one afternoon, and I thought, sure, absolutely, I would love that, and she told me this story, and she told me that um, if my dad hadn't done that, her life would look very different, and this is not to brag on my dad. This is just to remind us we're all part of this body. We're all to be the church, which is the hands and the feet and the bride of Christ. Because something like that changes the trajectory of someone's life and someone's faith. It just does. Because you see the difference that happens when someone steps away from the fear of judgment or the voices of the outside solely focus and solely focuses on the voice of the good shepherd. It compels you to do the same. And I've seen that in Ashley's life. And today, I humbly invite you to be part of that kind of church family every single day can you imagine i just want to be real for y'all with y'all for a second i'm speaking in five churches between on the end of february that's more than i've ever ever done before and i didn't go looking for it so the lord is up to something and i'm just trying to hold on tight can you just imagine though if this way of radical love crept into every single one of those church bodies and took hold Can you just imagine what if everybody filled a bottle, helped Hope Center do what we do, and then we partnered with all of these church families knowing full well we could send any of these families to any of them knowing that arms would be wide open, that homes would be open, that dinner tables would be open, and that they would have a place here because I get the first three years. Beautiful. That's great. But just like our students, I'm not here for just one decision. My job is to be a disciple maker, right? Be a disciple who makes disciples. We can only do that if we're investing in them long term. it's. I just I'm so excited about it. And as I think about it, I get absolute chills. So can we just make that promise to each other today? Can you pray for Hope Center and support the work? And then can you be? church family so that we can together grow a generation of healthy parents be a safe place for families for unwed moms for scared teens to walk into and find love peace truth discipleship can i be honest with you further and tell you this work is costly <laughs> that inflation isn't just at the grocery store and we need your support there too we don't have, we don't want to have to throttle our services just because it's an election year. We are not afraid. We know who's on the throne. We just sang about it. We just sang about it. So as you consider investing in the work of Hope Center this morning, either through monetary donations, being a part of our prayer team or volunteering in the center, my prayer is that you find it to be a beautiful way to draw closer to the Lord yourself. Because I know I certainly have. There are the bottles in the back, um, just like we talked about. There's little handouts, too. They're teal. I don't know if you'll have them. There are little turquoise ones. They're probably back there, too. There's several different QR codes where you can scan if you want to be part of our prayer team, if you want to volunteer, um, if you want to mentor young women or men or anything. All of the info is there, and we would love to have you a part of it. Because I want to finish with this. Here we raise our Ebenezer. Knowing the Lord has been with us, knowing he will go before us, and knowing that there is so much to be done for the good of others and the glory of God. Amen. Can we give her another round of applause? Um it is not a an overstatement to say that when when Lauren made the comment that